Hey everyone, welcome to the Gatekeepers Podcast. In this episode, Billy Humphrey teaches on what it truly means for the Lord's will to be done in our lives and how our hearts are to respond. If you want to know more about Gatekeepers, visit gatecityatl.com slash gatekeepers. Enjoy. All right, we're on part six of our series, Teach Us to Pray. We have been teaching out of Matthew 6, talking about the Lord's Prayer. Uh, The main point, if you've missed the first five, the main point that you need to know is that the Lord's Prayer, while it rolls off the tongue and is is a great prayer to pray, Jesus literally said, don't just repeat it over and over and over and over. In fact, in verse 7, right before he teaches the Lord's Prayer, he goes, don't be like the heathens who think that they're going to be heard because of their many words and just be repetitious in prayer. He goes, but when you pray, pray in this manner. Everybody say, this manner. And so he's laying out a format or a template of prayer. And he gives, I mean, literally every phrase has a component that we're supposed to glean from and employ when we pray. So he starts with our Father. So whenever you pray and you go and you go to God, first thought is, who is he? He says, our Father, what? In heaven. The next thought is, where is he? When you align yourself with who he is and where he is, Your prayers will take on a different trajectory. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. The name is the nature. The name of God speaks of what he's like. So whenever you come to pray, first, who is he? Then where is he? Then what's he like? Then last week, it actually gets into its first intercessory component, which is Your kingdom come. We talked all last week about the kingdom of God and what the kingdom of God is and what it means to ask the kingdom of God come. And many people said, I've never even heard of that, never even thought of Jesus as a king and a kingdom that's coming. And I said, come and stand with me if you're saying, I'm saying yes to his kingship. And I don't know, 10 people came down. I was like, that's me, I'm, I'm into that. Never thought of it before. And so your kingdom come, and then this week, it's your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, I would just give you this, and I mentioned it last week, but for those of you that want to study this out on your own, Psalm 145. Hi, babe. Oh, babe. See? Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to be fully hydrated. This is amazing. Here, let's just keep this right there. You can just keep it cold for me. Okay. I think I got enough. But it's your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's the next component. And I would just say this. The number one question I get from young adults is, What is the will of God for my life? It's the number one question. I'm not going to answer that tonight. Glory to God. I'm going to leave you struggling. 
no, no, no. But I'm not going to try to answer the metaphysical existential question of what's God's will for you tonight. But I do want to take this part of the prayer and break it down for you so you get a, a, a clear understanding. Oh, I know what I was going to say before I was overcome with hotness. Um, look, guys, I've been married 30 years. I am still really into that girl right there. You better pray you got what I got in 30 years after you get married. Come on. I ain't scared. I ain't afraid. All right. Psalm 145. This is the point I wanted to make. Psalm 145. When you look at that prayer that David prays in Psalm 145, just, just some of you want to study this out this week. I'll, I'll just say write it down, check it out. Psalm 145 is in the format of the Lord's Prayer from Matthew 6. All the components are right there in Psalm 145. It's a fascinating study. So I would encourage you to check that out on your own. All right, so tonight, it's your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let's pray. Let's ask Holy Spirit for revelation. So Lord, we're asking right now, release the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the room. Open the eyes of our understanding. Break in draw us in that we would know what it is the Spirit is saying to the church. We're asking you, Spirit of the living God, teach us, instruct us. Open the eyes of our understanding. Lord, we want vibrant, powerful prayer lives. So even tonight, draw us into that. Instruct us so that we can seek you and find you, though you're not far from any one of us. Thank you, Lord. We love you. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. All right, Matthew 6, 10. I'll just encourage you, put your eyes on it. Just let's read it together. Let's look at it. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So I'm convinced tonight in this message, some of you that are experiencing a bit of disillusionment in your prayer life, some of you that are hitting the wall, some of you that are dealing with unbelief, some of you that have been praying and believing for a while and you haven't seen the answers to the prayers, tonight God's going to fill in the blanks for you and he's going to lift that disillusionment right off of you. Okay, he's going to set you free to believe again. He's going to set you free to believe again. I'm convinced of it. So uh, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Okay, so let's just get the first part of that. Your will be done. Let's just get our minds around that. Generically speaking, we say the will of God. What is the will of God? It's God's desire. It's God's longing. It's God's wants, okay? There are three verses that in the New Testament that say this is the will of God for you. One is your sanctification and sexual purity. One is that you would do good works. Can't remember the third one. You can look it up. But it's not, those three verses aren't the comprehensive explanation of the will of God because there's about 60 or 70 verses just in the New Testament that describe his will and a bunch of different facets of it. His will is that Jesus Christ would come and rule and reign. We looked at that last night in Ephesians 1, 9, and 10. That's his will. It's the good pleasure of his will. 
It's this good pleasure of his will to give us the kingdom of God. I mean, there's so many facets to his will. But generically speaking, broadly speaking, the will of God is God's desire, his wants, his longings. Now, here's what the point I want to make. We've been saying this now for six weeks, but we've got to say it again because it's just something we've got to get clear about, that when we come to pray, we don't start with us. When we come to pray, we start with God. Who is he? God, where is he? God, what is he like? And God, what does he want? Notice that we don't show up to prayer with our laundry list, our Christmas list, and treat him like he's Santa Claus. And I can't tell you, though, how many times over the years just ministering to people, people come to me and say, I'm so offended with God. I go, why? Because I asked him to do something and he didn't do it. And I, and I think about that, and I go, I hear you. You want God to move. You want evidence of God moving in your life. But here's the question I have. If your prayer life is about God doing what you want, who is God in that equation? <laughs> He's running around serving you, doing everything you desire. That sounds like you got it a little turned around, like somehow you're the God and he's the you. I'm, come on now. And I think a ton of Christianity operates like that. Like God is this divine butler. He's super Santa Claus up there. He's just going to do what we ask him to do. This is what he promised. He said, we just ask him, he's going to do it. And that's just how they live. And they literally don't have a biblical understanding of prayer. Prayer doesn't start with me and my desires. Prayer starts with him and his will. So when we get the intercessory portion of the Lord's prayer, it starts with his kingdom coming to earth, which has a whole eschatological, apocalyptic deal to it. We talked about it last week. But it, then it goes into this point of his will be accomplished. And that's something that we have to come to grips with, that in Christianity, there is a submitting of our will to his will. Okay? But here's the thing you've got to find out, and, and, and you've got to come to realize, that in the perfection of God's will... And in the deepest longing of your own will, where those things collide, that's the perfect will of God for you. Some people believe that if it's God's will, you're going to hate it. I can't tell you how many times I've sat with people and they go, well, you know, this is what's in my heart. It's what I feel like I want to do in the kingdom. Blah, blah, blah. But I feel like God wants me to do the exact opposite. I'm like, why do you think God wants you to do the exact opposite? And they're like, well, because if it's God's will, it's got to be hard and I've got to hate it. I'm like, why are you thinking that's what God is? That's not what he's like. He actually wired you in a certain way. He knows how he made you. He wants to lead you on a collision course with his will. So you find yourself in that perfect, acceptable, that good and pleasing will of God, which is not just pleasing to God, it's pleasing to you. That's a good place to say amen. And so we got to get reoriented about what this deal is. And asking for his will doesn't automatically mean you're going to hate it. Worship team, I can't have you guys standing up this whole, if you got an empty seat next to you, just throw a hand up. Let these guys come find a seat. Hey, squad, take note. We're out of chairs again. This room ain't going to hold us. This room can't hold us. It's just a minute we're out of this room. Come on. 
140 a week, and then we're out of here. Amen? 140 a week, and we'll get out of here. I, can, I think I can cram 140 of y'all in here. Y'all almost beat the AC tonight. Y'all came close to beat. You got hot in there for a minute. Once the aerobics started, it got hot in here for a minute. I was sweating. I put it down to 70, and it caught up to you guys. So God has a perfect, acceptable, good, pleasing will for you. But here's the deal. It's found in us going through a process that peels off our false desires and distorted desires and getting down into the real desires of our heart. And here's what I've found about people who like challenging things, for instance. Like, some people really like a challenge. Now, if I sign them up, I say, this is going to be super hard. They're like, eh. But when they get through it to the other side, they're like, I loved it. God knows that about you. So you're going to go walking through some hardships on the way to victory. Some of you are the 65, you know, to 7 group. Some of y'all may know what that reference is. But you just love a complete slaughter. 65 to 7. Even my sons don't know what that is. Come on, UGA against TCU, national championship, 6-7. Some of y'all love that game. And so God will cause you to intercede in a process to be built on a front end so you get that complete breakthrough. But usually the praying into that is quite challenging, the preparatory side of it. So there's different ways that God does stuff. And so here's the thing. There's a process we all go through that's dealing with our false and distorted desires to bring us into a place where we can accept his desires and the way that he's made us. And we're on this path to experience what we want in finding what he wants. That's the perfect, acceptable, pleasing will of God. All right. James 4.3 says this. You ask and you don't receive because you ask amiss. Another translation says, with the wrong motivations, that you may spend it on your own desires or your own pleasures. Guys, sometimes it's not even that you're asking the wrong thing, it's that you're asking it with the wrong motivation. So God is so kind, he will bring you through a process to deal with your motivations on the inside so that you can ask for the very same thing and receive it when your motivations are worked out. Amen. But he's not going to give it to you in a moment that is going to destroy you. And there's so many times the Lord says, this is what I have for you. And you go, yes, God, give it to me now. He goes, I'm going to give that to you. And you go, now. And he goes, it's going to happen. <laughs> right now. He goes, that's the thing I'm actually trying to work out of you is that impatient, lustful thing. All right? Another verse, 1 John 5. I call this verse, 1 John 5, 14, I call this prayer for dummies. That's this verse. Y'all have seen those books like, Whatever for dummies. Here we go. Now, this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, 
Whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. So the key to answered prayer is us asking God to do the very thing that God wants to do. And you look at that and you go, well, dang, why doesn't God just do it on his own? Why does he need me? And the whole point is this. There's, there's an entire theology behind human authority and the earth. But the whole point is this. God doesn't want to do stuff without you. He wants to do it with you. He wants to do it in partnership with you. You and I are on the way to a wedding. That wedding is called the marriage supper of the Lamb. You and I are going to marry Jesus. And the deal is he wants a comparable partner, okay? He's not trying to do it without you. He wants to do it with you. So here's what he wants to do is he wants to connect with you in a way that transmits the knowledge of his will into your heart so that you're not asking for your will. You're asking for his will. And if you ask him for his will, guess what you find out? That you know when you ask him for his will, you know he hears that and you know you have that the key to answered prayer, but it's as simple as this. Ask God to do what God already wants to do, and you know you got the answer. Prayer for dummies. So we don't have to come up with what to ask. We don't have to come up with, like, how do I pray the right prayer? No, no, we want his will to be done, which is exactly what the Lord's Prayer gives us. All right, let's get to this idea to me, that is the biggest part of this passage. So when we pray, we're praying according to God's will. We're not praying according to our will. But the, the, the real intense part of this passage is the next phrase. On earth as it is in heaven. On earth as it is in heaven. And what that's talking about it's not just the will of God, it's the way of God. That it would get done here in the same way it gets done there. Now that right there, friends, that's the, that's the biggest gap. Like we can all agree that we need God's will to be done and not our will to be done. Jesus in the garden, not my will, but your will. I mean, we, we get that point en enough. We probably don't really get it. We get it enough. But what I really think where the gap is, it's in this, that God's will be done God's way, not our way. And right there is a massive place of offense with many believers. Because you might be praying the right prayer. You may be asking God for his very will to be done. And you have an expectation that it's going to be done a certain way. And then when it's not done the way that you expected, you're like, what's the deal? Where are you? You don't even care. I know none of you in this room have ever thought when a prayer didn't get instantaneously answered that God didn't, I know that's not y'all. That's just me. I'm the only one. But I'm like, do you know the freaking address? Lawrenceville's small, but it ain't that small. Come on, right here, man. I'm asking you to do your thing. And he's going, buddy, 
I appreciate you asking me to do my thing. You've got half of the equation. Now let me do my thing my way. I'm like, your way, your way, your way's hard. <laughs> your way's not how I wanted it. Your way's not my way. He goes, I know. He goes, that's amazing. Because you're coming to grips with the fact that my ways are not your ways. And my thoughts are not your thoughts. As far as the heaven is above the earth, so far are my ways from your ways and my thoughts from your thoughts. Some of you right now, you're praying the very will of God for your life, for the situation, for whatever God's put on your mind. You're praying the exact thing you're supposed to be praying. You're not seeing the answer and you think God's not listening. And the point isn't that God's not listening and that God's not faithful. The point is you're expecting him to answer your prayer your way and not his way. That's your problem. And so because we don't have an understanding of God's ways, we get offended with him when he does it different. In my household, my wife has a very specific way that we're supposed to load the dishwasher. She's an amazing dishwasher loader. I don't... I've, I've studied her way on dishwasher loading. I don't quite get it. It's beyond my IQ quotient. My intelligence quotient doesn't register in that spectrum. So no matter what, if I, even if I think I'm doing the dishwasher loading right, I'm just not. My way and her way are different. Okay. So I've had to learn when it comes to the dishwasher, guess what? I just need to know her way so that I don't create a problem and you know, have an issue over something as silly as the dishwasher. Guys, this is how it is for us in prayer. We have to come to know his ways. And I would just say this, the most mature people that I know in Christianity, the most mature ministers they're, they're not the ones that have the biggest crowds necessarily. They're not the ones that, you know, have the splashiest ministries. They're the ones that know the ways of God. Those are the ones that it's like, I'm like, dude, just talk. Just say anything about God. I want to understand what he's like. What are his ways? How does he do stuff? And so... I was in my office today, and um, my alarm went off. I'd set an alarm earlier, and my alarm went off. I didn't realize I'd, I'd set it for an hour, and it went off at 555. And it happened to go off at 555 while I was reading Isaiah 55. So I think this is probably for y'all. <laughs> so the Lord will stack things like that. And lots of fives means lots of grace. I ended up with five fives. Five is the number of grace, so you got five fives. So there's, there's going to be a lot of grace on what I'm about to share with you. I believe that. All right, so turn over to Isaiah 55. I want you to look at these verses. Y'all tracking? The ways of God is the issue. The on earth as it is in heaven is about how God does his will. And most of us, I'll just speak for me, 
I get upset at God when he doesn't do it my way. Or I've gotten upset. I try not to get upset at God. That's a loser deal. All right, so let's look at these verses. Isaiah 55. We're going to read from verse 8 through verse 11. I'm in the New King James. Ready? For my thoughts are not your thoughts. I just quoted this. Nor are your ways my ways. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth and make it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. For years and years, I've heard preachers and been a preacher who takes these passages, separates them, pulls out phrases, because there's a lot of good phrases in there, and just kind of preaches these little phrases from the text, but don't actually preach the text. And in this text, verse 8 and 9 set, uh, set up an idea and then verse 10 and 11 give us an example of that idea. So verse 10 and 11 show us what verse 8 and 9 is talking about, all right? And the very first thought is this. Your ways are not my ways. Guys, I'm just telling you, if you can just settle this, that the way God does it isn't the way you would do it. He's doing it. He's just not doing it the way you would do it. If you can just settle that and that's good, it will, it will keep you free from so much accusation. It'll keep you free from so much offense. I've literally had so many people, I mean, just stand in front of me and they go, well, God didn't do it the way I expected him to do it. And they're offended and they literally backslide, leave God. Because of this fact that God's ways are not their, their ways. But God's not saying, I'm a little different than you. He's not saying, I'm a little different. You, you know, you got your way, I'm a slightly different. It's not even the dishwasher example with my wife and I. It's not even close. He's, he's giving you infinite gaps as far as heaven is above the earth. Heaven goes on forever. He goes, that's how different my ways are from your ways. He goes, and it's not just about how I do things. It's about what I think about. I think about things completely differently than you do. Guys, if you can just dial in on the fact that God thinks about it and God does it, so differently than you would ever think about it and then you would ever do it, it will help you to humble yourself. Because that arrogance that says he's not doing it my way on my time, it really does put you in a place where you are standing over God and demanding him to act. And he's like, that's not what this is. I've got a much different perspective. I see things differently than you do. I can see the end from the beginning. I created everything. So my thoughts and your thoughts, they're completely different. So what we've got to do is we've got to get you linked up with my thoughts. We've got to get your ways linked up with my ways. 
And so it, it really does bring us to this place of humility when it comes to prayer. Not imagining that God should answer prayer in the way that we imagine it should be done. Which then takes me to this place of like, how do you plan and strategize and order your life? Because your natural inclinations, unless they're completely submitted to God's leadership and his inclinations, it's gonna be completely opposite of the way that he would do it. Y'all are a little quiet. Thank you. But we've, I mean, we really gotta catch this because it will help us to be patient. It'll help us to be humble. It'll help us to be willing to go through stuff that we wouldn't have chosen. Right? And in like the difficult path sometimes, there's such gold in that path. There's so much growth in that path. And you go, man, did you have to make it that hard? This is the questions I've asked the Lord. I go, this path has been hard. I learned a ton through this path, but this path was hard. Did you have to make it that hard? And he kind of goes, well, you're kind of hard-headed. <laughs> and I go, well, couldn't you have just zapped me? Give me a download, a dream, an encounter, a vision, a blow me up in an altar moment? He goes, but would you have really learned it? Everybody wants to get blown up and get up different. God wants you to walk through a process that works love in your heart and submits your will to him. God wants to take you on a journey of discovery, of finding out what he's like. He wants to work that in you through the process of time. He wants to actually put grit in you, some stick to so you've got to be faithful. You know what? He wants you to be faithful for so he can reward you for faithfulness. So then he gives you difficulty that you have to remain faithful through so he can actually give you a prize for your faithfulness. You're like, but this was hard. He goes, bro, I am trying to give you rewards. Stay with it. I'm, I'm putting you in the big reward line. That's why this journey is difficult on this side. Be faithful and you'll receive the promise and you're rewarded for the faithfulness. For us, our way, we like promise now. Sweet. We win the lottery. We, you know, we would lay hands on ourselves, get a million dollar blessing. Like, if, I mean, if we could get everything we want when we want it, think about how much of a wreck you would be. Think about this. Think about how much of a wreck you would be if you got everything that God has shown you that he wants to do in your life, if you got it right now. My favorite are 20-year-olds that God gives them a glimpse of what he wants to do in their life and they think at 20 and one week, they're like, I'm going to be the apostle to the nations. <laughs> Reinhard Bonnke will bow at my evangelism. You know, it's just like, bruh, you gotta go through some hardships to get all that burned up off of you so you can actually ever do an evangelism thing that's even helpful. We want it now, drive through, microwave, my way. Because it's not like that. Because I don't think like you do. The process is important. Everybody say, the process, the process. is important. 
the process is important. The process is working something in you. The patience is working something in you. Have you ever had to ask for something and it required patience? The scripture is really clear. Through faith and patience, we inherit the promises. Patience is required to step into your inheritance. Sons and daughters have to live in patience. In patience, not impatient. In patience. The other thing is, love is patient. So you're having to wait. You're having to be patient because he's taking you to an inheritance and he's cultivating your heart in love. But you and I are offended that it took, you know, a year or whatever. God goes, I am trying to help you, bud. I'm trying to make this good for you. I'm trying to grow you. The process is critical, gang. The process is critical. All right. So with this idea that his ways are not our ways, his thoughts are not our thoughts, it's infinitely above the way we think, it's infinitely above the way that we would do things, now we actually get verse 10, and he's giving us an example of his ways versus the way that we would think. So let's read verse 10 again, verse 10 and 11. And as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth and make it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. All right, now track me. It says, my word that goes forth from my mouth, it's like this process that creates bread. That's what he's saying in context. Now, his word that goes forth from his mouth could be the decrees of God, but it could be you and I agreeing with God in prayer. Because remember, we don't pray our will, we pray his will. And we get his will from his word. Y'all with me? So he goes, here's the process. I want to give bread to you. I want to give bread to you. This is what it looks like when I'm accomplishing my word. When I'm answering prayer and I'm bringing to pass my will, let's say God's will in this example is bread, hot bread. So the Lord speaks to you. He goes, hey, listen, listen, I want to give you hot bread. You go, sweet. You go running to the dinner table. You get out the butter and you get out the butter knife. You're like, bread's on the way. And God goes, so here's the deal. Go outside. You go, go outside? You said bread was coming. He goes, bread is coming. Go outside. And you go, why would I go outside? He goes, because it's getting ready to rain. You said bread. He goes, I know, I know. Rain's coming. I don't get it. Why would you be telling me to go outside? Rain's coming, and you're promising me bread. He goes, oh, because here's how my ways work. I form clouds in the sky that drop rain on the earth, that create buds in the ground, that cause wheat to grow, that a farmer can come by and harvest, and that farmer then can take that harvest, and then he can 
do a whole nother big process and turn that wheat into flour and then a whole nother big process and cleanse that wheat for selling and then that wheat can then be put in your hand and then you can take that wheat and mix it with water and salt and guess what you can do with it you can put it in the oven and guess then what's going to come out of that oven bread But you and I go running to the table with butter knife in hand and the, the best kind of whatever butter your favorite butter is. Yes, God promised bread. He goes, God's side, bud. And you go, I don't understand. You're not answering me. He goes, I'm totally answering you. Not your way. Because my way is I start with rain when I promise bread. So we go outside, we're praying for bread, storm clouds start gathering, and it looks terrible. Thunder and lightning, I'm praying for bread, and lightning is striking all around me. And we're going, God, what are you doing? He goes, I'm making bread. You almost killed me with that lightning blast. He goes, we're making bread together. (laughs) And we don't understand what the heck he's doing. We're out there going, bread, God, save me from the lightning and release bread, God. And it starts raining, and the delight in the heart of God is like, yes, they're asking for bread. It's happening. And we're going, God's not answering. The cycle of the clouds, the cycle of the rain, the cycle of the bud, the cycle of the harvest, the cycle of the ingathering, the cycle of the preparation, of the baking. How many cycles of fulfillment does it take to get bread when you start with rain? How many of them are there? Here's what our problem is. We pray for bread. The rain starts. God's taken us through an entire cycle to get the rain to start. And we're offended with God because it's not bread yet. And we have no idea that that rain is going to bring the bread that we've been asking for. But we've just made it through the first cycle. When he says, my ways are not your ways, he just thinks completely differently. And some of you right now, you're bearing up under the fact that you've prayed for something. And yes, it's probably the will of God. It's probably not that you're praying for the wrong thing. You're praying for something. And right now, you're believing for that answer. And instead of the answer, you've got rain and lightning bolts. And you're trying to figure out, where's God? And I'm telling you, he's in the rain and lightning bolts. And if you'll stay in it, The answer's coming. You feel me? I promise you, friends, I promise you, what goes up must come down. When you pray according to his will, he hears you. And if you know he hears you, then you know you have the things you've asked him for. The the issue is we tend to want it instant and pain-free. 
And he goes, it's going to take time, and you are going to be perfected through sufferings. Oh, nobody wants to talk about suffering as a Christian. Bless me, brother. Come on, pastor. Talk about my blessing. Look, you got to walk through sufferings. Jesus himself was perfected through the things he suffered. You're going to have to walk through sufferings. Some of the sufferings are things that you do to yourself. They're self-imposed. Some of the things are things that God allows you to walk through. But when you walk through suffering, the scripture is really clear that as you walk through suffering, there's a purification process that takes place in your life. It says, he who has suffered has ceased from sin. Psalm 119 says, I went astray before you afflicted me. He's not about to leave you. He's not going to leave you alone. He's not going to hang you out to dry. He hasn't turned you off. He's answering your prayer, but he's not doing it the way that you would do it because he's far more interested in your heart. He's far more interested in the cultivation of your character. He's far more interested in causing you to fall in love in a voluntary way. We sang that song, you know, bear, lion, giant, and I thought about David worshiping with Goliath's head. But then in my mind, it also flashed immediately to Job, who when his house was burned down and he lost everything, he worshiped too. The process that Job went through to abandon love and worship and the process that David went through in that Goliath story, they're completely the opposite, but the end was the same. A heart that's abandoned in love. Oh, David had his Job moments. He lost everything a couple times. There's always a cultivation of the heart. And so here's what I want to get to you guys, is that when you've prayed and you've believed and you've asked and you've cried out, and it looks like you've got a different answer than the one you asked, it's because God is answering you his way. Have you ever asked God a question and he gave you an answer to a different question? Did it ever occur to you that he's actually giving you the answer to that first question, but there's five other questions he has to answer first? Or 50 other questions? If we can get out of our offense with it not being done our way, I'm telling you, we are dangerous. We'll be so dangerous. If we can get out of, it's got to be my will, my way, and then get into, it's your will, your way, it is absolutely dangerous. Because not only are we going to see God's kingdom and, you know, empower, move, and, and we're going to see God's kingdom come in power, not only are we going to see that, we're going to actually be cultivated into the character of Christ on the way. I'm really leery when people are operating in power and have no character. Because I've seen, I've seen people without godly character get a little touch, a little anointing on them, and they do far more damage than they end up doing good. 
I happen to believe that in this generation, God wants to pour out power. I think he wants to pour out power like we've never seen before, but I think he's also not willing to lose his messengers and his people that he's pouring power on. He's not willing to lose them in the process. I think he's actually wanting to cultivate a character and a heart of a, of a kingdom person on the inside of each person and put power. I think he wants the character of the kingdom and the power of the kingdom in one package in people's lives. So he doesn't lose his bride in the process of releasing global awakening. I've been trying to say to you guys at different times, hard is not bad. Hard is not bad. Hard is helpful. Challenging is important. Walking through difficulty and standing on the other side is critical for you. There's this book, Final Quest, written by Rick Joyner. It's a really cool book. He had all these visionary experiences. And it's about the last day's army, and it it comes in different uh, packages. There's three different volumes, and I can't remember the one that I'm going to quote you from, but there's three volumes to this this encounter that he had. But he sees this, there's this person that's him and then there's like wisdom, like it's the Lord and there's this child. And this girl, this little girl that's walking through all these difficulties, he's like feeling bad for this child because she's going through this battle scene and everything's hard and all he wants for her is for her to have a toy and to have ease and comfort. And in the middle of this battle scene, and it's this epic thing, this war is raging, she turns around and she looks at at him and she says, don't pity me. You, You want it to be easy for me, and that's not what I need right now. And the Lord speaks and wisdom speaks and says to her, to, to Rick, about her, if you make it easy on her, she'll never be able to stand in the day ahead and what I have for her. Have you ever considered the challenge that you're going through right now is preparing you for something in 15 years? The difficulty you're stepping in right now is for 25 years from now. He's got to take you on a journey of maturity and strength so that when it gets challenging, you're like, oh, I've actually done the lion and the bear. This Goliath is going down. You'll never be able to stare at Goliath with any confidence unless you got lion and bear in your back pocket. That's why when he promises bread and he has you pray for bread, he starts with rain. Because if he gave you bread every single time, when there was any kind of difficulty, you'd quit. You'd shrink back, you'd give up. And let me just tell you, the attack that the devil wages on intercessors, he doesn't mind if you pray. He doesn't even mind if your prayer meeting is anointed. He doesn't mind if you have lots of anointed prayer meetings. Because what's going to come in a minute is this. Where's the answer to the prayer? Where's the answer to all that hoopla? Where's the revival that you've asked for? What about all that jumping up and down and sweating you did? Shouldn't take that much. 
God is God. Where's the answer? And he will come and he will begin to sow seeds of doubt and unbelief. And here's the deal. You're in the middle of the process. All you've got right now is a bud springing out of the ground, just a little bit of a sprout. You've been praying for bread, but you're through three processes. You're through three cycles. If you stay with it, that sprout's turning into a stalk, and that stalk is turning into a harvestable wheat, and that wheat is gonna be flour. There are several more processes to go, but bread is on the way. Guys, you don't give up in prayer because his ways are not your ways. And that's the key that Jesus is teaching in the Lord's Prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Some of you have gone through hardships in your young lives that have left you dizzied. It's left you confused. You've gone through church hardships. You've gone through family hardships. You've gone through relationship hardships. You've gone through hardships that you inflicted upon yourself. You've gone through hardships that you didn't even have anything to do with. It just happened. You've gone through disillusionment. You've gone through, I prayed for bread, and the lightning hit me in the foot. And and, and you've gone through all sorts of things. And if the enemy can get you to tap out right now, he wins. But the prayers you've sowed, if you stay with them, there is a harvest coming. There is a harvest coming. Don't don't be the one who yanks the harvest out of the ground. See, what he wants you to do is get through three or four cycles. You've got a little stalk coming out of the ground. You've been praying for bread. You've got a stalk. All you've got to show for it is a worthless baby wheat plant. He goes, where's the bread? You go, I got a wheat plant. He goes, nice. No one's getting fed with that. And and, then all he wants to do is weaponize you against the very thing you've been praying for. He just wants to get, the enemy just wants to get his words in your mouth. So now, instead of agreeing with God about the bread that's gonna come, you're agreeing with the devil that it's never gonna happen. And he takes you and weaponizes you in opposition to the very thing you've been praying for. Have you ever found yourself praying, 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 disillusioned, in disappointment, now it's doubt and unbelief, and then you find yourself saying, it wasn't really real. It didn't really count. It's not gonna happen. What's that? That's the enemy causing you to rip up the wheat plant that's been springing up because of your prayers. What are you disillusioned about tonight? What'd you quit believing God about? What have you given up on? What's the thing you've been praying for that you're, it didn't happen yet? How long have you been praying? I love getting around old people. And I, I love like those old grandmas and grandpas that have been praying for like 70 years. They're scary as can be. They look at you like they know everything about you. You're like, don't look in my eyes. Don't look in my eyes. I'm good. Don't, don't read my mind right now. I don't want to stop. 
They're just creepy, prophetic, awesome people. I love those people. And then they'll tell me, they'll, they'll say, oh, young man, you're praying for revival. And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, it's coming. And I'm like, how long have you been praying? 70 years. <laughs> and I'm going like, oh, God. I always, at that point, I always quote David. I would have fainted lest I believed I'd see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living God while I'm alive. But let me tell you, those 70-year-olds that have been praying their whole lives, they haven't given up. They're more convinced than anybody you've ever met. You know why? Because they started praying for bread a long time ago, and they saw the rain. They kept praying for bread, and then they saw the sprout. They kept praying for bread, and then they saw the stalk grow. And then somewhere in the process, they went, wait a minute. I'm praying for bread, and wheat is in the field now. And they're in this place where they can smell it in the air. You know when somebody's cooking fresh bread and the whole house smells? You're like, yeah. I mean, that's where they're at. They're in that bread is about to come out of the oven mode. Because they never gave up. Reminds me of a song I taught one time. Where are you, man? Are you giving up right now? I mean, just for real. Some of you are like, I've been to the Rumbles like for two and a half full weeks. We don't have revival yet, man. <laughs> Watch this one. and We'll end. Make your request known to God. Philippians 4. And he will answer you and give you everything you ask for. Is that what it says? No. Make your request known to God, and the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your heart and your mind. Isn't that weird? He says, ask him to do his thing, and he'll give you peace that it's going to be okay. I want the answer to the prayer. He goes, it's coming. Be at peace. You make your request known, he promises peace. I want bread. He goes, it's coming, bro. But for now, be at peace. God loves you. He hasn't forgot you. He's not ignoring you. He hasn't put you off. He didn't quit listening to you. That's not true. He hears your prayers. It's real. You've really been crying out. He's really answering. His ways aren't your ways, though, okay? It's not going to come the way you think. It's going to be different. We all love the suddenlies. Nobody loves the subtleties. Bars. We all love the suddenlies. Nobody loves the subtleties. 
God 99.999% of the time moves in subtleties. And then there's a sudden light. It's coming. Don't quit. Don't pull it out of the ground. Don't let the enemy weaponize you against it. Don't get into doubt and unbelief. Don't believe that God doesn't care anymore. Don't believe that God doesn't see anymore. Don't listen to those lies. You've been praying for bread. Bread's coming. It doesn't matter if it's just raining outside. That's okay. Bread is on the way. Amen. Okay, let's stand. Just close your eyes for a minute. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your will, your way in my life, Jesus. I want to tell you right now. I'm okay with your ways, God. I want to tell you right now. It doesn't have to be my way. <laughs> I just want to confess to you, young people, there's been much pain in my life over the years because the way that God answers is not my way. I've spent decades in intercession. And many times the, the enemy has had me at the point of unbelief. In the grace of God, he's, God's come and he's comforted me, encouraged me, given me tokens. And he's begun to teach me that that fresh stalk that's growing in the field is truly a part of the answer to the bread that he's promised. One of the fresh stalks that I'm staring at right now, it's dozens of you guys that have showed up at midnight to cry out for revival. That's not human, that's heaven. That doesn't happen because you had a desire on your own that happens because God put a magnet on you and you said yes I just want to confess that I understand the journeys of difficulty and pain and trials and challenges some of you right now you are disillusioned and God is calling you out of it right now he's calling you out of unbelief he's calling you out of disappointment He's wanting to encourage you. He's saying, my ways are not your ways, son. My ways are not your ways, daughter. It's okay. 
You're on the path. Don't give up. Don't quit. Don't don't pull your prayers out of the ground. I know you're looking for something to come out of the oven, but the rain is coming out of the sky. It's okay. If this is hitting you, if this is resonating with you, I want to invite you in this altar. I want to pray for you. I want to ask the Lord to lift that disillusionment right off of you. Hey. We're not giving up, friends. We're not quitting. We are not of those that shrink back. There's wisdom in these words tonight. His ways are not our ways. Oh, could we just say, I agree with your ways. I agree with your ways. I agree with your ways. I agree with your ways, Jesus. I agree with your ways. I needed the testing. I needed the trial. I needed the difficulty because I needed the arrogance broken off of me. I needed the impatience completely worn out. I needed to know that you would meet me even when I failed. I needed to know that you were there no matter what. So you took me through a longer path than I ever imagined. And it's good. That's where we've got to get to, where we say your ways are good. Just and true are all your ways. Can you say that to him? Just and true are all your ways. Thank you so much for listening. We hope that this message ministered to you and that the Lord met you. You can follow us on Instagram at gatekeepersatl. We'll see you in the next episode.